What's going on, guys? Welcome back to the Sorry to Interrupt podcast. As always, brought to you by SorrySports.com, at SorrySports on Twitter, and at Sorry underscore Sports on Instagram. Uh, yeah, so today, Sean and I just jumped into um, some Yankee talk, got into it a little bit a little bit about Severino, um, and then we just basically broke down the MLB altogether, the playoff race. Things are really starting to heat up. One of the uh, most top-heavy baseball years in a really long time the Red Sox are absolutely rolling um and then we just you know talked about some conspiracies with the Yankees and just went into a couple managerial things uh we moved on to football talked to the locals Jets and Giants for a little bit of time and then we just went around what we noticed about the league and then a look forward to the season that is up and coming so like I said earlier follow us on Twitter at sorry sports follow us on Instagram sorry underscore sports And always check out the website, sorrysports.com, and enjoy the pod, guys. Have a good one. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Sorry to Interrupt. Uh, Tom, what's going on, man? You ready to record? I've been pumped all week for this. What's going on, man? Happy Wednesday. Sorry we couldn't record on... um Monday. I forgot what day. <laughs> it's all good, dude. We're we're here now. We're ready to uh we're ready to talk some sports. We're ready to get a get a good episode out and uh out and recorded. So let's do it. Um starting off with baseball. Um so after our state of emergency last week, uh things have restored a little bit. Uh what are your As thoughts you right now? I, I expect it to when you're playing the bottom feeders of the of baseball, you know. I mean the Mets game was a tough game to watch. Um, but you know you have a, every, those every once in a while. But aside from that, I was I was pretty happy with them turning it around. Um, things I could take away is Andhar's on fire, uh, playing like a rookie of the year candidate, and Stanton is living up to the hype at this point. Yeah, he's really uh, both of those carrying guys carrying the team. Yeah, both of those guys have really picked up the slack with um, Judge and and Sanchez out of the lineup. So. Yeah, I mean, so what we discussed last time, right? Sweep Chicago, take three or four from um, take three or four from Texas. You got the Met game. You got Tampa coming in. You got to start taking care of business. They've they basically have stayed to that script. They're seven and two in their last nine since the Boston series, which is good. You um, wanted them to go eighteen and one. No, well, I said, I mean, they've got to they've <laughs> got to have like a seventeen and five run there. Um, yep. So you know they're down three one tonight currently to to hit Tampa Bay and Sessa's getting the ball. I mean, once again, I mean some decisions that are questionable uh, in my opinion. How they still haven't gone out and gotten a, an outfielder. I know they're playing Walker out there and he's done a good job to his credit for a guy who's never played out there. But the waiver yeah. wire is alive. Granderson's passed through waivers. I can't imagine a guy like that at this stage in his career playing for a bad team is going to cost a lot and you know as, as th- we're going to have to we're going to have to knock Cashman down a little bit with all the credit we give him too and and I, I got to say this is kind of a dereliction of duty right now you're 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 not going out of your way to improve seriously a problem and, and it was just reported today that Judge is still feeling pain in that wrist he's, he's not close to swinging a bat right now you got to make something out of nothing because right now Shane Robinson and even Neil Walker playing out of position in right field, that's weakening your depth and it's not going to cut it. Yeah. I mean, I completely agree. When you talk about the right field or I guess outfield positions, and then you talk about pitching, there's got to be something better out there than what they're running out there. It's, it's to the point where it's almost like they I mean of course they want to make the playoffs but they're not making moves and they need to at this point. Well, I just don't uh, there 
there seems to be a lack of urgency, and I don't know whether they're conceding the division and they're really, but you know, as we spoke to, and nothing's really changed. The wild card is anything but a sure thing, and there's still plenty of time. I mean, to 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 make a run and, and play well against these bad teams, and making decisions like you know Shane Robinson playing right field almost every day, and and I know now we know why after after our conversation last week is Stanton's been complaining about a nagging hamstring, and you cannot afford to lose him, and you hold your breath of him running after a ball in right field, so keep him keep him out of the field, let him just run the base paths and hit, but. You know, that lineup is, is is really poor at the bottom, especially since Bird and, and Torres haven't hit. So you're going to have to go out and, and you're going to have to do something. You're, you're losing games that you can't that you can't lose. And guys like Luis Sessa getting spot starts for CeCe. I mean, again, my question, where's Justice Sheffield? You, you've got to have better options than Sessa. We know what Sessa is at this point. I've got to believe they do. Yeah, I mean, at best in the major leagues, he should be a long man, you know, just a mop-up guy. Uh, I really don't know. I mean, are we going to have to start seeing a lot more of Sonny Gray again if he figures things out in the bullpen? It's been up and down. Uh, yeah, he saved that game starts. in Chicago, and then, you know, they gave him a chance in that in that blowout game against Texas on Sunday, and he uh, left a lot to be desired in that performance. So basically a carbon copy of what he's been all year he'll he'll show flashes and 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 to his credit he saved that game in Chicago um but there are still warning signs on this team Britain has has been a problem um the bull- yeah after a hot start he's really been down you can't find the strike zone um Chapman Chapman he looked better last night but he's been he's been very inconsistent finding the strike zone and but to once again, let's let's not knock him down too much because Jay Happ and Lance Lynn have been saviors in that rotation. Yeah, absolutely. But I I I'm not trying to knock him down. But there's just more moves that need to be made. This is not a playoff roster right now by any means. Um, no, and, and there's think, upgrades that you can make. Exactly, and it's not going to cost you a penny. In no. the grand scheme, it's not going to cost you anything. So. Those need those moves need to be made, and I'm confident that he's going to do the right thing and make those moves. He's been doing it for like 30 years, so. Yeah, you you just hope that you know even if it's a Granderson who you use strictly against right-handed pitching, you know you know he's going to find the short porch a couple times. Shane Robinson's not an offensive threat, and Neil Walker, for as good as he has been lately, hitting over 320 uh, since the All Star break, he's not a right fielder, and that hurts your depth because now you don't have a guy who can play third or you don't have a guy who can play first um, in the absence of either a bird or an Andujar because you're sticking him out and right. And now that you know you want to keep Stanton out of the field, this is a perfect time to go get a guy like Granderson. And it makes too much sense. He cleared waivers, as I mentioned, so he's he's there for the taking. Anybody can put a claim on him. And I just feel like with each passing day, you know, this isn't an offensive juggernaut of a team. I know they've been scoring five runs basically every night, but you still look at the lineup and it's you, you could use a little bit more for sure, especially when anything's an upgrade over a Shane Robinson. So yeah, I mean looking at that component, it's it's a little frustrating because the way Oakland's playing and and the way Houston's sliding, I mean right now it's looking like it could be a Verlander. Severino matchup in a wild card game. They're yeah, one I mean game. Houston's gonna get healthy, but you don't know. And then speaking of Severino, I mean since the All Star break, segue, he's yeah. been he's been really not good at all. He's been terrible. Yeah, he has. And there's theories out there all over the place. 
you know, was he tipping pitches? Is he hurt? Is he fatigued? I don't see anything with the tipping pitches. I mean, I'm not a professional or anything, but his his wind up and everything looks the same. But who knows? It could be how anything any well, anything he, could be a tip. So. Yeah, and, and but you gotta believe if if he is somebody seeing it, Rothschild or or somebody on the uh, in, in the field has to be seeing it. I mean, a guy who Severino I consider a top five pitcher in baseball, and up through the first half he looked it. So a guy that good doesn't go on a stretch of five, you know, pretty pedestrian starts against inferior competition. Yeah. The Royals beat him up. Now is the time. Mets beat him up. As, as Cashman as the GM, now is the time where you go out and you get another back-end starter for nothing. I said to you earlier, and I think I said it last time, I really would have liked a guy like Tyson Ross just to shore up the back-end. And uh, now's the time to skip a Severino starter, too, because you're playing, you know, inferior competition Hopefully, you would hope that they're inferior, and it's a time to go get a guy like that that can eat up some innings and, you know, give you a chance to win and Severino figure it out and he can be ready for the playoffs because inevitably, who cares who they play? I mean, either it's Oakland or Seattle or, you know, even Houston, you're going to be facing a top-end starter regardless, so you got to have your guy ready to go, whoever you face. Right. Now's the time. You can't wait until then to do it because you're going to be in a race all the way way through. I think the problem, though, is that if he insists he's not hurt and he insists he's not fatigued and the Yankees agree with him and the medical staff clears out and sees that he's not, there's no issues, you can't. You can't take him out of this rotation. He's I, too important because I hear one you, start, he can turn it around. I hear you, but at the same time, we're not talking about Justin Verlander. We're not talking about Clayton Kershaw, Chris Sale. I can name Max Scherzer, all these veteran pitchers. He's still a young pitcher. We're not the Mets. You don't you don't let the pitcher say, you know, I'm ready to go. I'm pitching no matter what. You are the organization. It's the Yankees. Make the decision. Clearly, the product isn't isn't. He's not living up to the hype right now. He's not living up to what he should be. So, a decision needs to be made. It's it's been over the last like four starts. This isn't Even the Mets. Seven seven starts. Yeah, this isn't the Mets. I I understand what you're saying. He's the ace. He says he's not hurt. Well, something's not right. So, uh, regardless of if he's hurt or not, nobody's going to freak out over a skip start. And the Yankees need to make that decision. I think they need to skip a start or two. Well, they're going to have the ability to do that after he takes his next turn on Saturday against the Blue Jays. Because they're coming up uh, with a two-game set in Miami and in between and sandwiched in between two off days. Monday's day off and Thursday's day off. So, they're going to be able to reconfigure that rotation a little bit and allow him to take that extra breath. Yeah, perfect then. situation. So Now's per- the time to give the guy... You know, some time to clear his head, whether it's that or work on his mechanics in the pen or whatever. Yeah. Any of that stuff. And it's the time to go out and get a starter to really, you know, you thought Hap and Lynn were going to be the guys to shore it up. But with the decline even greater of Sonny Gray and some and CeCe going on the DL, which we didn't mention yet. Only one start. Those guys have moved up in the rotation to more than just, you know, your saving back-end guys. They're important now. You need to have another saving back-end guy that is not named Luis Sessa. Well, and I think it's the perfect time for Cashman to go out and get him, and it's time to give Severino a little bit of a breather. Yeah, and even if you don't want to go outside the organization, you don't feel any option because these are short-term fixes. So CC's not going to miss more than one start. 
Severino, you're not going to have to have him miss more than one start. I want to well, see Justice Sheffield. I, I, I know what chance I know what chance Adams is. And I agree I, with and you, I know but at Luis the same Tessa time, is. you say that it's only one start for CC, but we've seen this before, where CC, especially in the most recent years, where he's a little bit older, CC complains about an injury and then he's fine, and then it, he ends up on the the 10-day DL and he misses two or three starts. So, I mean, all I'm saying is it's time to go out and get another starter. I know you want Sheffield. I know you're clamoring for it, but by all signs, it's not happening. Yeah, and, and that's the thing. I mean, if you're okay, so if you're going to go out and get another starter, then it's where do they fit in post, you know, Sabathia and, and Severino returns? Are they just another depth guy? Because if they are, they got plenty of depth guys, and and that kind of brings me into my next point is. I have been defending Boone a little against your will and, and some other fans because I, I truly believe that the analytics are what they are and, and, and your kind of hand his hands have kind of been tied and certain decisions that he's made, it's really just been certain guys just not getting the job done. Uh, every decision looks bad when the pit, when the players don't perform. But that Met game was exceptionally frustrating for the reason of, okay, Severino doesn't have it, but you're still in the game. You score three runs off DeGrom. It's a two-run game. You bring Green in for one, he gets that inning, and you let A.J. Cole pitch two innings and give up three home runs. I I don't know what A.J. Cole has done. I know he's had a nice year and they love him, but he's not established. He was DFA'd by Washington, who sure as hell could use him right now. I don't understand why you leave him for the game for two to give up three home runs. That's not Zach Britton giving up three home runs. That's not Dylan Batances giving up three runs. That's not a David Robertson giving up three runs. That's AJ Cole. That's a poor managerial decision, and and to me is once again, it's a it was a game that it didn't look like there was a sense of urgency, and, and I know that they're playing a little bit hamstrung now with with injuries to guys like Judge and Sanchez. Of course, you're not going to be the same team, and you're playing compromise with Stanton only DHing, but. But you're not playing you're murderers not, row here. You know, you're not playing the Red Sox you know, the anymore. Mets can't score five. The Mets can't hit five home runs in a game, and you cannot make decisions that look like you're conceding the game in a one-run game or a two-run game against the Mets, who have one of the worst bullpens in baseball. You're throwing AJ Cole when you have arrested David Robertson and arrested Del Batantis and arrested yep. Chad Green, who you know what made Chad Green so great last year was he was a two inning guy, multi inning yep. guy, and now it seems like what you spoke to really well in the last pod is guys don't seem to know their roles, guys don't seem to know their innings, and when Green came in and only pitches one inning, you know he's more high leverage. I, I'd prefer him. Shit, even. Even Jonathan Holder, if I need to, AJ Cole has not been good lately, and I know he's had an an okay year stats wise, but he's not the guy that you leave in for two innings and 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 in a game that's still very much in in at hand. Yeah, and it to, just doesn't seem like Boone has the same feel um, in the recent in the recent months that he did at the beginning of the year when you know we've spoke to it a billion times. You know he he got Patances back up and running, and he basically discovered Holder. Um, and it just doesn't seem like he has that same type of feel anymore. Um, I, you know, and I'm just gonna keep pounding the table. They need to go out and get another starter. I mean, you got Harvey out there; he's still available. Yeah, they'll never do it. Yeah, it I, makes sense from a baseball standpoint, but they'll never do it. Then, then look at another guy on the Reds. You got Di Sclafani. I mean, even just on the Reds, there, there's two guys off there, and I'm sure there's a million other guys out there. The Giants are starting to fall out of contention. If you can go out and get a back end starter from them, whoever, just an arm, you know. 
No, I, I agree with you. Um, I, I think it's more, once again, it's how many starts are these guys going to miss and what are you trying to do to juggle this rotation and that it seems like... Well, Luis Sessa is not going to cut it. No, he's not. And, and I agree with you 100%. He's not going to cut it. He hasn't been cutting it. And, and this you is a fragile, chance... You got fragile guys on the staff to the point where, like I said, Lynn and Hap are going to be a lot more than back-end guys now. Um, and I think, you know, aside from Severino, you can't... At this point, you can't really trust Tanaka. I love him in a big game, but you can't trust his health and you can't trust Sabathia. No, which is which is tough because CC the the worst part about that DL stint was that it was on the heels of another just brilliant start, six innings, six shutout innings, just fantastic after after that awesome game against the White Sox. So he's been great. You know the knee is something when you when you have him on the road in the rotation, it's gonna come up at some point. Get it done now. It was just inflammation. They drained it. He said he feels great. They're gonna skip his start Friday. And then he's going to be back in line to pitch next Friday in Baltimore. You hope that carries him through, uh, through the even through the postseason. Hopefully, which is an extended run. Severino is a problem right now, and they got to get it figured out. Because once again, it's hard to say sit him when he's the best option, knowing one start could turn it around. I agree with you, but, but he's he, not, because he's not, not hurt. You're not trying to have him go out and dominate against the Marlins or whoever that you can beat. You know, I don't want to say starting Sessa, but That's starting the hard anyone. part, man. That's not what's happening, though. That they're they're conceding. They're well, making not, a lot the of decisions. You're not that winning with Severino, anyways. Severino's not pitching well. No, you but want you to get him you, ready. You're going to have a better chance to win a game that's still very important at this point in Would the season. Would you say that to the last seven games, though? And then the yes. Fact, and then on top of that, I mean, listen. Of course, he's a better pitcher than Sessa or whoever. But on top of that, if he doesn't get this figured out. Going into the playoffs, are you going to start Tanaka in that one well, game that's, playoff? You know what? That's that's something that's going to have to be decided coming down the stretch there. I exactly. Mean, he, he was about as rested as – and don't forget, they gave him an extended break after the All-Star break. He pitched that Thursday game in Cleveland leading up to the break. He threw the one inning in Washington, and then he didn't pitch – in the uh, he didn't pitch at all in the Mets series after the break and and started that first game in Tampa, so he had a very lengthy rest. I understand that, but my point is, is that maybe it's not rest, maybe it's mechanics because he's leaving pitches where you know he's not hitting the corners anymore. He's leaving pitches over the plate. He's hanging off speed pitches, and that's you know his he's got a really sharp slider. You know he worked on that changeup with Pedro, and everything just seems flat. I think it's more of a mechanical thing than it is a fatigue thing, but. That's not going to get figured out by running him out there and screwing him up mentally. No, but for you, the long but you, run. Ha- I you think- see that with, I mean, I'm not comparing him to Sonny Gray, but if you keep running a guy out there, it's only going to get worse. For the yes, sometimes yes, sometimes no. I, I think the because he looked yes. like he was finding it against the White Sox, and then he lays that dud against the Mets. Yeah, so. but my point is, is like I said earlier, he's not like. A guy that's established in Major League Baseball and you know he's just having a bad day, like a Max Scherzer, of course. He, he, he never leaves a rotation barring no injury, of course. He's still young. You don't want to screw him up for this year or for next year or whatever. Now in this run where you're playing, you know, Yankees have one of the easiest schedules coming up. Now is the time to where you go out and get a starter. Even if you, even if you don't pitch him after... Just have him eat up some innings and then move on. I mean, you're not going to spend a lot of money. Who cares? But, you know, Severino needs to get right or else there is no playoffs for the Yankees, period. Right, and I think the on the other side of the coin, I'm not disagreeing with you. I'm just looking at it from the other side is if he's 
if he says he's fine and it is mechanical, you figure a guy who a lot of people, myself included, believe was a top five starter in baseball, especially in the first half of the year. I mean, he started off 14 and two with a sub three ERA. You got to believe that you can figure it out on the fly against these bad and inferior offenses because. You know, if you're saying, ah, we can skip you a start here, we can skip you a start here. If the Yankees had a seven-game lead in the wild card and Oakland and Seattle were kind of just beating each other up and neither team seemed like they were really ready to grab it, yeah, I, I, I think you could do that. There's a sense of urgency, and we were just speaking to it to open up this podcast and this conversation. They they seem like they're making decisions, whether it's big picture or in the middle of games, that they're almost conceding the division and not playing with their foot to the gas. And and that's unacceptable because you never know what can happen. In 2011, Boston had that epic collapse. Do I think that's going to happen again? Absolutely not. They're already winning 3 nothing against Philly. They're a juggernaut. They're, they might set the record for wins in a season this year, regular season-wise. But you, there's always that chance. And then with the way Oakland's playing and the way Houston's spiraling out of control, you don't want to you don't want to just go into these games and assume you're going to win because you're playing inferior competition and making decisions like starting a Luis Sessa or or skipping a start of Severino and playing Shane Robinson in right field. I mean, listen, I don't agree with the other two moves that you mentioned on starting a Sessa. That's why I'm, you know, trying to get trying to say that I want to go out and get somebody or bring up a Sheffield and obviously I talked about Shane Robinson last pod right I'm not his biggest fan but when it comes to Severino my only point is if he has one or two bad starts like this you know shit's going to start running downhill fast and then there is going to be no playoffs for the Yankees and we're going to be thinking about next year and then now you now not only are you worried about well we didn't make the playoffs and that really sucks but now you're worried about one of the best starters in baseball and one of the most promising young players, you know, that pitchers that the Yankees have had, I don't even know, in, in a really, really long time. Yeah. You know, I would say since Java, but For sure. they mismanaged that too. Of course. Yeah, and that's, you know, that's the thing is it's, there's no perfect science. I think a guy like Severino, albeit he doesn't have the sample size of a Scherzer or a Strasburg or, hell, definitely some of the other guys that you mentioned, a Kershaw and a Sale. He has been one of the best starting pitchers in baseball since the beginning of 2017. And he is the ace of the Yankee staff. And I think you have to believe him when he says he's not hurt and he says he's not injured. And then when you're running tests on him, MRIs, what x-rays, what have you, and there's no damage, you got to say, listen, you're going to have to figure this out. Every pitcher goes through a rough patch. Skipping a start with your best guy on the mound, knowing that one start could turn him around, especially against a team that doesn't isn't known for their offense, and you're and you're pitching a lesser pitcher, whether it's a guy you go get outside the organization or a Sessa or an Adams, you know those are games that once again you're going to look at and say, well, they definitely conceded that game. I mean, you could start Sonny Gray; he is a major league starter. Once again, though, to me, that's conceding a game because he's clearly shown time and time again that he's not dependable. I, I don't like the way that they're handling decision-making against inferior competition. It seems almost like they're expected expecting to win anyway, making decisions that are not in the team's best interest. And, you know, we spoke to it last podcast. Six and six against the Orioles. Seven and six against Tampa Bay. That's not going to cut it. And that, those are reasons why they're, they find themselves 10 games behind. And in a lot of those games, I can recall... Running triple A lineups out there, skipping starts, 
assuming they'll win, not making decisions in games that look like, hey, we were really trying to go for the jugular here. Yeah, I understand, and I agree with you. My point is just that you're going to need Severino. Severino basically is the team, and you're going to need him when it actually matters because, I mean, the Yankees are most likely going to have either the first or the second wild card. And if he's not ready to go for that game, I'm not ready to have Tanaka run out there or anybody else. And, you know, if he has one or two more of these starts where even if he gives up four runs in five innings, that's, yeah, that's not, not a good... Severino. No. Like. And, and if he has one or two more of these starts, then we're really, you're going to come on this podcast and you're going to agree with me. That's all I'm saying. And now, if you're gonna skip his start, which is what I want, which is what I want the Yankees to do, now or never. Now is the perfect time to do it. You said they got the days off coming up. They are. Let's face it, they are playing inferior competition that they should beat. And They're if down five one right now to Tampa Bay, I understand that. That's not a. That's not Severino's fault. That's that's. I mean, that offense has been terrible too. They've been scoring about five runs a game. I mean, yeah, but. Again, like you shouldn't, you should be able to beat up on the Mets. Like, I mean, I, the pitching staff altogether is terrible, you know. But it's led with Severino, who's been terrible. He's been terrible, but I'd rather go down with my ace than go down with a guy like Sessa or some scrap heap pitcher that you bring from outside the organization. I completely agree with you with that, but I also don't want to watch my ace go down in flames and lose the wild card spot because he couldn't figure his mechanics out and all he needed was a day of rest. And I understand it. Again, when he says that he's hurt or not hurt, but again, he's not—he's not an old pitcher. He's not a veteran, and sometimes you just need to put your foot down and say, "Listen, this is what's going to happen, or else we're going to end up in a Syndergaard Met situation." Yeah, I don't think it can ever be as bad as the. With of the course Mets. not. <laughs> I mean, you don't see him going out and get hand, foot, and mouth disease. Although, have to I have get did, it. But, but I, I mean, but I was looking at. So he's he's scheduled to start Saturday. That would be his normal rest. Actually, it would be an extra day of rest because of the move they made today. And to listen, pitch I, I'm not saying do it right now. I mean, there's there's still a bad schedule coming up. I personally, I'd like to see him go one more. If he throws like he usually does and he builds momentum, great. I was wrong. Amazing, but if he piles up another two bad starts, it's something has to be done. Yeah, and, and I think that that's that's something that you worry about because it, it's kind of damned if you do, damned if you don't. If you take him out of the rotation, even if it's to work on a game, you're putting, regardless of who it is, you're putting an inferior pitcher on the mound. You're not giving yourself as good of a chance to win, even if his record is what it is lately. Luis Severino at at any point I would rather have on the mound than a Luis Sessa, than a Sonny Gray or anybody you bring from outside the organization. I mean, I agree with you, but then again, like if I could pitch Max Scherzer every day, I would be happy to do that too. Right. But you know, like something needs to be fixed. The end of the day is he's the Yankees ace. The Yankees are going to ride or die with their ace. If he's in, if he's not pitching well and he hits a wall, whether it's mechanical, physical, whatever, they're, they're not going to go very far. That's the end of the day. And it's whether it's in the regular season or in the postseason, if he's not there to pitch the way that we've become accustomed to seeing him pitch in the last year and a half, then it doesn't. Then this is conversation is all for naught because you can basically kiss an extended postseason run goodbye. Yeah, I've pretty much, I mean, just by watching this pitching staff in general and the bullpen have its woes, I've pretty much already conceded that the Yankees are not going to go to the ALCS this year. I'm I'm already fine with it. I mean, honestly, like it, it is what it is to me at this point. 
because I mean they're probably going to make the playoffs. They'll probably win the wild card game. But aside from that, I think they're going to lose. I just don't think that that's a sure thing. And I think the most difficult part about this is you're you're watching as a fan or you're watching anybody that's been watching this team, and and, and of course they're not going to look as good when and when and remember, this is right now. I mean the game's not over even though they're trailing. Um, you know they're seven and two in their last nine since that Boston series, so they're not. They're not playing terrible baseball. It's not like they're four and three or they know, just five, don't four look, and five. I mean, I could be overreacting, but they just don't look like. I mean, obviously, they don't look like the Red Sox. Nobody in a hundred years has looked like the Red not, Sox. Nobody right since now. the '98 Yankees, yeah, yeah or the '01 mean, Mariners. They're they're not rolling by any means. I mean, these games are are straight up not fun games to watch. I mean, they're nail biters. It's like. You gotta have Sonny Gray go out and get a save for you. Well, that whatever. was yeah, and that was on the heels of a of a Zach Britton blown save because Chapman wasn't available and yeah, you could course, use Robertson I mean, and Batances to set up. Aside but. from whatever excuse there is of why Sonny Gray had to get a stay a save against the White Sox, like they're not they're by by all means they're not rolling. No, and I could see them going in and getting swept by Boston again tomorrow. Oh well, if they were to play them as their roster is currently constituted, I don't think that's a question. And I could be completely wrong. When Judge and Sanchez come back, it's going to completely change this lineup. And when all the pitchers get healthy, and when Severino gets back to pitching like the ace that he is, and we both believe that he is, they could. They, I could tell you I'm completely wrong, but I'm fully prepared for them to lose. Well, in they the need to stabilize series. things fast, and they need to start playing with a better sense of urgency, and cannot assume that just because they're playing lesser competition that they will step on the field and win because they have done that far too many times this year against bad teams in games that they have no excuse to lose and you look at Boston and I promise you they play every game whether it's the Orioles whether it's the Astros whether it's the Yankees whoever they play that game with intensity, with fight, and are they more talented right yeah. now? Yes, they are. Of course, and and when I'm saying I want to skip Severino, sorry, that doesn't mean that I want Shane Robinson to be starting in right field. I just want to protect a young pitcher, but I agree with you. Like The lineups that they're running out, and not only before the game, when Boone is filling out the lineup card, or whoever does it for him, God knows, um, but during the game, when Boone is making these decisions, like we alluded to earlier, it just doesn't seem like they want to win these games. I mean, yeah, it seems like they're very comfortable with we're going to give Sessa a chance. And and you know, Sessa reminds me a lot of a guy like a David Phelps was, you know, or Adam Warren early in his career where there's not really a role for him. There you bring him up and they're going to get hit as a starter and then you're going to bring him up as a long man and they're going to look good. You know, it's not like they don't have other options even within their own organization. And they certainly have plenty of guys on the 40-man that they can flip for these players that are being placed on the wire, on the waiver wire. And that's where I'm getting kind of frustrated is a guy like Curtis Granderson is not going to cost you anything. And he can go deep on, on some guys and utilize that short porch. We saw him do it for four years in, a, in much more of his prime years as a player. So... Yeah, but I mean, even if he's a guy coming off the bench, he's a good right. hitter. He's a good pinch hitter. He'd be a good base runner, and he pl- he'll play you a good right field. And then again, going back to the starter, it's like they just they need somebody like like you said. You can't have Sessa start in these games. So I, I just hope to see a little bit more of a sense of urgency from the Yankees. But I mean, you this could be what you get from Aaron Boone. This could be it. I mean, I don't know. 
You know, I, I, I think it's going to become a lot of how he handles it down the stretch, and, and you can only put out the players that you have and the roster decisions that are being made. So if, if Brian Cashman's not going out and getting an outfielder or another DH option, then, you're, then your but, hands are kind of tied. But, but my I, thing is this, man. Like, it, why wasn't Neil Walker starting in right field two weeks ago? I know you, you're talking about the depth and all that stuff, but, like, at this point, throw depth to the wind. Like, we're throwing away games starting Shane Robinson. Why all of a sudden did somebody have this epiphany that Neil Walker actually knew how to catch a fly ball and throw it into the fucking cutoff, man? Yeah, I, I know. I, and it's, you know like, I, I don't think they understood, from what I heard, I don't think they understood that that Stanton's hamstring was bothering him as much as it was, and they really didn't want to put Walker in a position that he's not comfortable and you lose games. I mean, once again, it's a damned if I do, you damned if you don't, because I don't think, based off the roster configuration, even after the trades of McKinney and Drury and, you know, all the other guys that they have moved in the last few years as 40-man roster crunch decisions. I'd like to see Drury at first base right now. Well, Drury's out for the year, but I would have too. Yeah, obviously before that. Right, I mean, yeah, and, and, you know, McKinney probably, I mean, I know McKinney would, would be better than what Shane Robinson has been. Um, but listen, man, at the end of the day, they, they're making decisions, both big picture and in game that are not conducive to winning or showing that you're really going for it. Yeah. And it's, and it's, these decisions are, are worrisome because it's not like we're out here screaming and yelling for them to go out and make a Justin Verlander-esque trade. We're asking you to go and get guys off the scrap heap that you're going to have to trade a bag of balls for, you know, and, and, and some cash and, and go get one of those guys and, and, and wipe your hands clean of them next year. I mean, you're not asking to go get anybody crazy. Here's the big, here's the big picture. The Yankees are in first in the wild card by four games. They're currently 31 games over 500 on pace to win 104 games. I know. Any it's crazy other that we're year, complaining. Uh, yeah. And you would think that it was an avalanche that was coming down, and you would think we you were talking we're about like the fucking Mets. 500 right, right now, yeah. But let's call it what it is. In Sometimes any, you need in a reality any other check like year, that. In any other year, we would be, you know, screw They're on base for their best record since 09 when they won it all. But you know what the difference about that year was? They didn't have Boston who was on pace for a historic season. And look at this other, you know, Oakland has 72 wins. Three less than the Yankees. They trail the Yankees by five on the loss side. Seattle has 70 wins. So, you know, these other teams are right there. And Cano Last just came year back was too, different so. because you could – you could concede the division knowing that you're going to play the Minnesota Twins because they were, A, so far behind that you didn't have to worry about home field, and there was nobody else close to them in the, for that second wild card last year. So it's and, – and obviously we know the Yankees' history playing the Twins in the postseason. Even when they trailed 3 nothing, I don't think anybody was really petrified. So there's not that case this year. They still have to go and play in Oakland for three – to start September and play Seattle for three in Seattle after that. Oakland's a house of horrors for this team lately. Uh, they don't play well out there. They, they got swept out there last year um, when they were by far a better team. And Seattle's never easy, and they've made a lot of moves to bolster their, their uh, roster as well. So you're going to be in a dogfight all the way, and then I think everybody's worst-case scenario is – 
either let Houston fall so far out of it that they're not a wild card team or please let them win the division because you're going to have to face a Justin Verlander in a one-game postseason start. Or, God forbid, a Dallas Keuchel. Or a Dallas Keuchel or a Garrett Cole. I mean, they have options aplenty, and in a one-game playoff, you empty the tank. So, and they're going to be healthy by the time the playoffs come right, around. Right, so course, that's so. that's the – I think that's the – aside from not making the playoffs, that's the or, – or having to play a road game, yeah, that's, that's the worst-case case scenario. Yeah. And and once again, it, you have to analyze it the way it is. Big picture, just record-wise – you got to love what this team has done. 31 games over 500, best pace in, in nine years. But, but you know what the thing is? You've got to look league, at the landscape of the league. Yeah, and that's this not the league, case. Historically this year, I think, you know, on both sides, this league is super top heavy. There is a lot of bad teams down the bottom. Oh, the American League is that you have, you have Boston and New York, you have Cleveland, and then you have the three West teams, and there's literally nobody else. Like you said, there are. I mean, Boston's on pace to win one fifteen. Baltimore's on pace to lose one fifteen. Yeah, it's, <laughs> and and they've won insane. six times against the Yankees. Yeah, that's once again. Right, let's that's move the on. Issue. You're so let's me depressed. let's go around the let's go around that playoff picture though. So we were just talking from a Yankee standpoint. We talked enough about the AL East. The well, AL East is, is is done right now. Uh, God, man, this is depressing. So, so let's go now. How about Houston's free fall, dude? I know they've been hurt, but wow, they got swept by four. In, they've been in really Houston, banged Seattle. up. They've been really banged up. Uh, they haven't been pitching nearly as well as they had previously. I, I, I just, you know, I, I don't know if it's a hangover. I wouldn't even say that. I just think they've been really hurt. You know, I think they're going to turn it around. I, I don't see them not making the playoffs, but God, who knows? Yeah, um, they they've struggled, and and as much as they've struggled, Oakland has. Oakland is captivating baseball right now. I mean, they are they are on a stretch since June that is is right up there with the Red Sox. They don't lose. Yeah, no, they're sweeping. You know, where the Yankees at this point are kind of taking two, you know, two or three, and they're taking a three game set every time. They're just sweeping it. Um, you know, Oakland looks like a juggernaut right now. You know how they are in the playoffs. They you know they always lose. So the bullpen's but. tough though. That bullpen is really good. Blake Treen and um, from the their closer is is pitching to an under one ERA and 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 just disposing of every everybody he faces. Yeah, and then you have Cleveland in the uh, central, and that's done. That's it. You don't have to say anything aside from that. Nope. They they look really good too. Lindor has really started to heat up and play really well. Um, I guess you can move over to the NL. The NL East is almost as interesting as the AL West. Um, you know, with the Nationals being, they got swept by Chicago, right? Uh, they they lost two of three. Yeah, and then what Chicago, a game Sunday night! Yes, that was a great game with the walk off grand slam. We'll move on to that when we go to the Central. They look invigorated, and hopefully, my World Series pick, aside from the Yankees winning the World Series, is right with the Cubs. Just so I could be right, but um, I mean, Philadelphia is still right there. Atlanta's looking great. Acuna's playing, you know, out of his mind. Um, and then the Nationals are—I I don't know what it is. Uh, maybe they should move the team or something. They are the biggest disappointment in the sport this year, and it's not even close. They do it all the time. Even when they make the playoffs, they're a disappointment. I—I I don't know what it is. It's like playing sports in Washington, it's like you just have to be, like, mediocre. mediocre. <laughs> there it is. Yeah, that's what I, word I was looking for. Yeah. No, base, I mean, they, they've been really atrocious, and th- they've had a lot of injuries of their own, particularly in the in the bullpen. I mean, some additions that they've gotten, like Herrera's out. Uh, Doolittle's been hurt. 
Madsen had had to Madsen's step in. hurt as well. Yeah, yeah. And, and then he's had to step into a closer role, which he hasn't done great. And he with. just got hurt as yeah. well. So yeah. I mean, their bullpen's absolutely decimated. They traded one of their bullpen guys to Chicago as well, which I kind of scratched my head at. But I guess he wasn't pitching that well in uh, in Washington. And then yeah, you're speaking to Brandon Kinsler. Yeah. Yes, and offensively, I mean, you know. Um, Zimmerman's starting to heat up. He got really hot. Bryce Harper is Bryce Harper. He's he's having a good second half. And then, I mean, Soto is just tearing the cover off the ball. He's hitting over 300 with, I think, like 16 home runs, and he's got almost 50 RBIs. His slugging percentage is up there too, which you would think that would invigorate a team, but I, I don't know. I think Dave Martinez is, is in way over his head, and I think that's an example of a guy. I know that you they've – it's been a turnstile in the manager position in Washington, but I this team, if they don't make the playoffs, that's a one and done for him. Yeah, I think he gets fired, and I think they hired Joe Girardi. Uh, Girardi would work well on that team. Yeah, I think yeah. I honestly think that Joe Girardi has a job in Washington next year if I, if they miss the playoffs. Yep. And, and props to St. Louis, Girardi, too, because they're Girardi, coming through. Yeah, no, they're playing a lot better. I mean, their pitching staff's been playing well. Their offense is starting to heat up. Osuna looks really good. So Carpenter's had a year for oh, the ages. Oh, of course, yeah. yeah. I mean, his second half is just incredible. Um, DeJong looks like he's starting to heat up a little bit, too. I mean, that team looks really good. And they went out and got Tyson Ross, who yep. I really wanted. Um, you know, they look really good. Carlos Martinez is going to be pitching out of the bullpen, which so he might throw 120 <laughs> out of the bullpen. He's He's... You know, I think he's going to be really good. I wouldn't be surprised if they make a run at it. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think that I think that Girardi. Just a side note, I think he was just a one year in the booth guy, and I think he's going to go back next year. Yeah, the problem for him was by the time they let him go, all those other managerial vacancies were filled. So he didn't. He he was like playing musical chairs. He was left without a seat. I miss him. You know, I I know. I really I, miss him. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's 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 tough, and it, it's. You you understand why they did it from from what they want from, but you know a lot of the people who hate Boone hated Girardi too, and and, and it's a man. The thing is, is I don't I don't know what to blame managers for in the wide, in the big picture that much anymore. It just it is what it, all across baseball. I mean, you say Dave Martinez has done a horrible job just simply because I thought that was a team that was, you know, your yes Philadelphia and Atlanta have gotten better sooner than people expected, but. You expect a team that's frontlined by by uh, Strasburg and Scherzer and and has a and has a Bryce Harper and an Adam Eaton and a Juan Soto come up and a Ryan Zimmerman and all these guys, uh, Trey Turner and, and the like. You would think R- that Rendon as yeah, well. you would think that a team like that would just be too good to to really fuck up and and they have and. You see it every year, at least one team every year. Yeah, but and then, then conversely, you look at St. Louis; they fire Matheny, who a lot of people considered a really good manager, and they've just they've all they've done is win since. I think the the manager of the year is going to go to Cora simply because even though that was a ready-made, a two-time defending AL East champion team, this is as good of a team as we've seen in the last seventeen years, regular season-wise at least. But Bob Melvin's going to be right up there if if Oakland somehow finds its way into the playoffs. Yeah, no, absolutely. Because that team wasn't expected. We were laughing at them when we did our when we did our preseason projections. Like, oh yeah, Oakland, right? They they actually they're playing. You yeah, know, no, like, yeah. They they were not expect they were expected probably to finish last or, or close to it, but then moving on to the AL Central, it's starting to heat up um with NL the Central, Cubs. you mean? Yeah, NL yep. Central, sorry. The Cubs and um the Cubs in Milwaukee are within two games of each other. 
Um, I, I think that the Cubs, especially with that walk-off Grand Slam, are, are going to start rolling soon. Um, they they have the talent to do it for sure. Um, Milwaukee has fallen on hard times with injuries, but they're still playing hard and they're and they they're pulling out a lot of games. Um, they've made moves to better themselves, but yeah, I think that's going to come right down to the wire with Chicago pulling out just like they did last year. Yeah, no, absolutely. And then in the A and the NL West, which I think is another really exciting division. A lot, it, both sides of baseball are pretty top heavy this year. It's it's crazy. I mean, you got Arizona, Colorado, and the Dodgers. I guess you would say that is the most interesting division in baseball right now because they're all within one game of each other, and there's going to be inevitably a, an odd man out. I would say. Yeah, I think it would be interesting to see do both wild card spots come out of the West or does Milwaukee or Chicago, whoever doesn't win, the Central. But then again, looking to the East, yeah, you've it, got a team like Atlanta or Philly, whoever doesn't win that division is going to be right there too. I mean, you're looking about five or six teams that could conceivably you know, fit into two spots in a wild card uh, in addition to the division winner. So I think the American League by far is the most top-heavy. The National League is a bit more wide open because there's just so there's so much can change in the course of a week. And I know there's a lot of head-to-heads left, but the Dodgers have lost five in a row. Losing Kenley Jansen to that irregular heartbeat has has really really hurt them. They've blown a couple leads late. Dozier's having some medical issues, so yeah, after, he was a nice pickup for them. Yeah, as well, after his he was hot playing start, well. he's yeah, playing really he well. he's been on the DL. And you know, you knew what you were going to get with Machado. Aside from that, I thought who the has Dozier actually was really not good. been great. He had a big RBI last night, but I, I, I tend to agree with you. He hasn't been as advertised. He hasn't been as great. But, I mean, Kemp's still hitting, and I think the Dodgers are going to be right there. But then you look at Arizona, and they're really playing well. And Colorado is right there with Oakland for the best record, you know, one of the best records in baseball since June. I mean, they, they're they 20. I saw a stat. They're 29 and, and uh, 13 in their since, since June. So, I mean, that's that's a large sample size and and they just beat Verlander last night so and they certainly have the talent too we spoke a lot this season about Colorado Arizona how they're right there yeah we we had them predicted to be battling it out for that for one of those wild card spots as well so yeah I mean baseball is really starting to heat up I think you know over the next you know month three weeks it's going to be very interesting to see what happens and these next three weeks are really going to you know just to tie everything up the next three weeks are really going to make or break the Yankees honestly I think and it's crazy to say that about a team that's like you said earlier on pace for 104 wins but this year is just different this year is different and and it's I think the biggest issue I want to talk to you about just just a little bit more and then we're going to go into the uh into some football um, cause I'm sure everybody listening really wants to talk some football as do we, but this is important right now. And, and, uh, it's I was, relevant. It's relevant. Yes. I, I, we were, we we're talking about Boone, right. And, and how we missed Girardi. And I really am fascinated to know what it was about Girardi that made them let him go. Because we'll never know. We'll never know until like Cashman does a book when he's getting his last money grab for his. Because family, what they but. say is they wanted better communication skills with both his players and his man and and the media. I, I don't see that. I don't see that. I don't know what he does behind closed doors, and I understand he's more loose in the media, but I don't think that's what fans want. Girardi, I guess every you know from all accounts was he was a really tense guy, very militaristic. But 
you know, it would have been something if Girardi had lost, you know, if, if, if they vastly underachieved the last few years. No, yeah, but you said it earlier, even with the farewell tours of some of the core four and, um, you know, even last year leading them to the ALCS when we didn't even, you know, the Yankees didn't even really expect to make the playoffs at the beginning of the year. Uh, those teams overachieved every single year since 09. So that's, every single year they were yeah, expected to to either do what they did or or expected to do less. Right. I mean, you look at some of those rosters, particularly in 13, 14, 15, 16. I mean, those were not teams that you would look at and say, wow, you know, they would be fighting till September. And then, of course, last year they make this historic run to fall one game shy of the, of the World Series. But he hasn't. If he was really not doing well or he was vastly underachieving and his time had run its course on the heel of a couple seasons missing the postseason, okay, I get it. New, You didn't have to make this is there move. Is there a conspiracy theory here? Maybe it was just like, you know, Cashman said to Boone, listen, like, I know I cut you after your tour your ACL playing basketball. I'll get you back once I'm tired of Girardi, like. I'll pay you back. Don't I, worry about it. I don't know because it's very. Is this in, a handshake deal? It's it's weird. Conspiracy. It's weird because they they sure as hell didn't have to let Girardi go. It wasn't a performance decision. And he said he wanted to come back. Right. And, and and you know he did. So it wasn't a performance decision. So it had to have been personal, either with the way he handled his team or the way he was maybe you know refusing analytics. But from all accounts, was. He was very analytically driven, and even if it went against his gut, you know, he he had his guys who had his roles, as we spoke to in this on the pitching staff, and he would bat guys in the lineup that were told by analytics where they should hit. So yeah. he was he was responded to that, and he was accepting of that. So there had to have been something more on the personal side or the way he handled things that, in the locker room that pushed him out. I think that, I mean, aside from my conspiracy theory, that's a deep one. I, I don't know. I thought that was pretty good on my part. <laughs> but aside from that, I think Is it that, bad that it doesn't sound awful? <laughs> no, I mean, listen, he did cut him for A-Rod. So, um, I mean, I think that, you know, maybe, I, I think it came from up above. I think the Steinbrenners, for whatever reason, had j- just wanted a new face in there. And, you know, when the owners want something done, you get it done. And the interesting thing, too, is, of course, they did it for a guy that had never managed or been on a major league coaching staff before. So with that, all things considered there, it, it just seems strange to me. I mean, he was Boone had was put in a spot where he basically couldn't lose. And, and no matter what the fate of this season is, nobody would have expected Boston. The Yankees are going to win 100 games which Girardi hadn't done since 09, and of course part of the reason was the roster construction. But that's that's hard to really, you know, that's not Dave Martinez really fucking up the Nationals. That's a, that's a good season. Yeah. But it's, it's not what you would expect based off of how they finished last year. And unless Judge just ends up missing the rest of the season or Sanchez comes back and doesn't do anything, you can't really say it's purely because of injuries because Boston's face theirs too it's a weird situation man I I don't understand it uh I I don't mind him I don't hate him but I can't I can't give him credit when when he makes a good decision because I don't know if it's his and I can't really shit on him either and and I can't get mad at him in post-game press conferences or what he says to the media because 
that's who he is. That's what they wanted, apparently. So I can scream and we can rant and rave about how he doesn't show any fire to the media and he seems way too laid back. Well, you know what? That's what they freaking want. I agree with you, but it's at the point now, and I don't want to go too long on this, but it's at the point now where, like, I know I went on a, a, a thing about I need fire and everything from him, but now it's at the point where... I know that he may not have all the control filling up the lineup card, but you have all control when it's during the game and fuck the fire, fuck all that shit. You got to be making better decisions than this. Yeah, AJ Cole cannot be allowed a two-inning leash to give up three home runs to a team that hasn't hit three home runs in three weeks and then let Chad Green pitch one inning and take him out. Now, Now, you know, a couple of the games they've lost lately... You know, Zach Britton pitching horribly. Listen, I will let Zach Britton, Dylan Batances, David Robertson, Chad Green, and Roldis Chapman fuck every game up that they want to and run them out there every single time. I'm not letting A.J. Cole do that. He's done nothing to warrant that, even if he's had a nice first half. Even Jonathan Holder to that extent. And that supports your Severino argument, which, you know, the more I think about it, I'm tending to uh, agree with you a little bit more on that. you got to go down with your big guys. But yeah, I mean, Boone's decision making has become questionable. It's it's not more of the laid back things. It's just he's not done a good job recently. Yeah. All right. So that's enough of that. We've we've talked baseball to death, but in a pennant race, and when things are going on, we got to. But things with a little bit more optimism, Mr. Bacino. Let's get into some football. I Absolutely, am ready to man. go. I should have I should have thrown my Darnold jersey on before this game. I mean, before this podcast, I'm, I'm fired up. I, I feel like it's a game. Um, I mean, you know, you got the Josh Norman quote, which take it or leave it. I mean, take or leave the guy, period. You know, he's a very outspoken guy. He says a lot of things. But, you know, he's saying he looks like the real deal. The Jets were in training camp this year. I'm sure you saw the Terrell Pryor flinch. Nobody likes Terrell Pryor. I get it. But, you know, he says he's the real deal. He looked great in his preseason start he looked really really good um not to mention that teddy bridgewater looked really really good as well yeah so let's dissect this you you watched your jets play the falcons uh what are some of your takeaways in addition to the quarterback play how, how'd they look what what were some of uh what were some of the things that you were looking for secondary seeing? looks incredible with mark um you know with, with adams and marcus may but that was expected and you know tremaine johnson came over and does what he does he's going to shut those guys down i mean you only see it for one series or whatever but yeah I, I the defense we really don't need to talk about i think they're going to be a top 10 maybe even a top five defense this year um i think todd bowles has done a really good job coaching this year I'm, I'm i'm actually happy with what's happened so far you know there's been a little bit of controversy terrell Pryor said something and he basically said listen terrell pryor has got to shut up and worry about himself and i'll worry about the that team. was something about saying like about talking about a teammate's injury right yeah, disclosing he that he worry you should worry about yourself which you know, it's not a big deal during training camp, but I appreciate that. You know, you got to keep order, you know, whatever in the locker room, whatever the cliche term you want to say is. And I, I definitely would rather that than him just brush it off. I'm glad he had the balls to address it, even with his, you know, big time free agent signing. I guess you would call it big time. <laughs> not Jets. based off of last year, but no, yeah, yeah, the name, you know, you yeah. know what I meant. Um, but you know, from, from a quarterback play, I really like what I saw with the running backs. Correll caught a touchdown and, and, uh, you know, he ran it, ran with a couple guys on his back in. Powell's going to be there. Um, I, the quarterback obviously is the most important position. I love what I saw. Teddy Bridgewater is, you know, showing himself to get traded. And like I said a few weeks ago when we talked about this, 
I'd really be excited to see the Jets. I want to see Teddy Bridgewater do well. It was a gruesome injury, and he was playing really well previous to that. I think he was off to a really good start to his career. Um, but I, I want to see you know the Jets get like a fifth rounder for him, and you know, segueing into your Giants. Can I raise a hand for a team that that might would that I would like to see you go, go for him? Because you know what. I mean, listen, I know that last year is a lost year for the Giants, and we're going to talk about them in the preseason, but just to talk about the quarterback, and I know Eli didn't have you know any weapons. Brandon Marshall went out right after Odell Beckham went out. I mean, you still had Evan Ingram. You still had Sterling Shepard. I know you had a decimated offensive Ingram line. Ingram dropped a lot of passes. But. He's going to be a top-five tight end this year, though. I mean, there's no excuse. Eli's got to play better than he did, and if he shows you know what he did last year, are the Giants, you know, you said this before, the Giants aren't going to trade with the Eagles to go and get Nick Foles. Teddy Bridgewater well, the for Eagles a, won't trade with the Giants. Yeah, yeah. yeah the, the, the um, Teddy Bridgewater for a seventh, fifth round pick, I think that's pretty good for the Giants. Shit, and man, that's I a trade guy. one of the Giants two-thirds for him, if that's what it took. I, I, I think if Bridgewater plays well, I think it's fair for the Jets to ask for the best price. And, and to speak to the quarterback play. I honestly, I honestly truly believe that Josh McCown, sorry, Sam Darnold has a really good chance to, to start off this season as the QB1, as the number one quarterback. And I think that they're going to want Josh McCown to be the backup, to be the safety net, you know, to let the team go 500 and get another decent draft pick if all doesn't go well. And I think Teddy Bridgewater is going to be the odd man Bridgewater out, not by his own doing, but just because the Jets invested, you know, their entire franchise in Darnold, and he's going to get traded. Bridgewater doesn't have a short-term or a long-term place on this team. And we spoke to this last time. You you laid it out nicely. For the Giants, you know how I feel about Eli. I don't put last year on him. He didn't play well. His stats were horrific. But it, when when the when you don't give a immobile 37-year-old quarterback any kind of protection or a running game and his biggest weapons are out you're not going he's not going to succeed and that of was course, that was apparent he was, he was showing signs of a lot of regression even so yeah I, I i mean he's a guy who's always going to throw interceptions he threw a lot of interceptions when he was 28 he's going to throw a lot of interceptions when he's 38 that's part of the deal but you, you hope with the a- additions of Nate Solder and uh, Will Hernandez, from who you got in the second round of the draft, really an extension of the first round of the draft where they were picking, you hope that that, sign of the, that side of the line is shored up. He's good to go. But make no mistake about it, if Eli Manning is hurt or really doesn't play well, and, and the, the Giants have no chance. And they made all of their personnel decisions, as we spoke to, and I wrote about uh, article-wise that you can find on sorrysports.com. There it is. There's, there's nothing. They made this. They made all of their personnel decisions to cater to Eli Manning. And if Eli Manning goes down, I know he's he's never been hurt. And if, unless unless it was that stupid move by McAdoo to pull him for that one game, he's basically started. I'm gonna count that his consecutive game streak is still yeah, intact. Too. And. But he's still 38. 38-year-old quarterbacks get hurt. He, you know, in shots that used to knock him down and, and he would get right back up might not be the case. And, and with, they don't have a competent backup. With Bridgewater, I think that, you know, you could get a starter for the next four or five years that can lead you to a playoff. Yeah, and that's going to go into my next where I took away from the Giants is, first of all, Barkley with a great first run. That's an excellent first impression. Didn't do much after that, but, what you know. What do you expect? He's not yeah, what do you expect? You're not going to keep him out there too long. No, and, and there was, you know, Odell didn't dress, which of course, or he dressed but didn't play, which is not a surprise. Um, the defense didn't look great. Tyrod Taylor kind of picked him apart, the first team. 
Um, and I will say this, Davis Webb looked bad. Uh, he missed a lot of throws. He didn't throw a lot of catchable balls. He didn't hit guys in areas where they could make plays after the catch. Um, and there were reports afterwards saying that he was too amped up, and that caused that's a cause for concern. This is your second year. You've played in the preseason before. You've dressed for pro games. I, what if, God forbid, Eli goes down? Well, you're going to be too amped up in a game. You know, if you're a too amped game? up for a preseason game, how are you going to feel coming into a real game? So that's cause for concern. I like what I saw from Loletta. He actually threw the ball well. Didn't have the stats to show it, but he looked a lot. His passes were a lot more crisp than anything I saw out of Davis Webb. But make no mistake about it. If Eli goes down or doesn't play well, the Giants will not go very far. And every move that they made was to tailor to him, and, and it's going to be on him to be successful for them to be successful this year. They got to go get a backup quarterback that, I mean, shit, I would even take a Josh McCown, a guy who you at least know you can plug in and play if all, if, if as a safety net, because even if, you know, even if they get Bridgewater, I think the season's over, but you feel better about your chances of maybe pulling a rabbit out of your ass. Than and you get a, a wild card or something. Yeah. You know, you, you, and maybe hell you get him and then you sign him to a long-term deal. If he plays well, enough because you you then analyze that situation Teddy Bridgewater well, is a hell of a lot better than whatever the Giants got going I for him behind I totally agree I totally agree and by all accounts they're not trying to be in the top five picks the next year I don't so. know if the Jets and Giants would do it uh I don't think that they're anything like the Mets and, and Mets and Yankees I think no. if it's a good football decision for both teams they would do it especially if it's a guy who doesn't have you know where does where does where does he fit Bridgewater yeah, long term with the Jets? Nowhere. I think I think if Teddy Bridgewater shows out in this next game, coming up on week three of the preseason, you're going to be hearing a lot more trade talk and clamoring because you know you want to have you want to have him on your team for at least enough time to learn the playbook and all that good stuff before the season starts. So if he shows out, which I'm confident that he's going to do in the next Jets game. I think that you're going to hear a lot of clamoring from a bunch of different teams. Yeah, I think Maybe so too. Maybe even the Arizona Cardinals. A I think there's other a teams. bunch of teams. I, I think there's teams that have healthy starters that want to have a safety net, and I think there's teams that you know there's going to be a point in a preseason game where or in practice where a guy gets hurt. Roethlisberger's concussed. You never know. I mean, he's been concussed a lot. Do you go to the Steelers' target of Bridgewater? Aaron Rodgers hasn't had a backup, and that, that's what stopped and, and prevented Green Bay from doing anything last year when he was out. Rodgers seems to get hurt almost every year, at least for a couple games. Yep. Bridgewater would look a lot better than uh, than the guy they had running out there last year. Um, Brett Hundley? Yeah, Brett Hundley out of UCLA. So I, I think there's, there's going to be a high demand for him, for sure. Uh, and they can probably – take you know buyer's best case and and make a move that that will fit them if they can get a third round pick or even a fourth round pick or a fifth round pick for a guy who they know has no future on the team i i think the jets front office will look at that as a as a sincere victory absolutely basically getting something for nothing at that point not that teddy bridgewater is nothing but he was never he's never going to play no, he was team. a safety net where you know if darnold didn't look like he was ready or you know you didn't know when you signed him that Darnold was even going to be available. Yep. Um, and then McCown is McCown. He's he's competent. He's going to give you a chance to win some games. He's going to give you. He's going to be a reason you lose some games. And he's going to be you know the definition of average when he's in there. And he's probably going to get hurt at some point too. Absolutely. So moving on to that Giants game, I thought Baker Mayfield and Tyrod Taylor, but specifically Baker Mayfield because he's a rookie. You know, you expect that from Tyrod Taylor. Looks really, really good out there. Yeah, Tyrod on the run. I mean, Mayfield looked really good. Mayfield looked great, and I know it was against second teamers, but I don't care. Those are those are legitimate throws and legitimate plays. 
that it doesn't matter whether you're playing flag football, you're playing against a second team or a first team in a preseason or regular season NFL game. Those are those are legit plays. And he showed arm strength. He, he fit the ball into really tight windows on a couple of uh, touchdown passes, made ha- plays happen with his legs. All accounts is, is he's putting in every ounce of energy. And, of course, you know, this is overreaction and underreaction. I'm looking forward to the second week of games coming up um, for to see what the Giants can do. And I'm sure their tape now is out on on Mayfield and, and teams can yeah. kind of – I don't know who and, they're playing in the second week, but they're going to look at some it, of those you know, plays. They don't call it the hard knocks hard on for nothing. I mean, <laughs> every year you see a team on hard knocks and you get all excited because – you see, you know, you get the characters out of it and all that shit. And I'm, I'm guilty of it too. But, you know, uh, you're going to see a lot more with Baker Mayfield now that the teams have a little bit of tape on him, a little bit more to – we'll, we'll see what he can do week two basically. Yeah, I, um, I, I, I was impressed with what I saw. A guy, I, I definitely was. A guy that I thought looked bad, just to go the other way, um, Josh Allen looked, looked pretty bad. I mean, the guy's got a big arm. That's great. I'm sure they're, you know, um, Russell, what's his name? The quarterback from the Raiders a couple of years oh, ago. Oh, Jamarcus, Jamarcus Russell, Russell had yeah. a really big arm, too. One of the best arms of any prospect ever. Yeah. And, I mean, where's he now? You know? <laughs> so, I mean, I don't. he didn't read anything well. He was, you know, missing guys that were wide open. Um, hey, that was so. the report on him all through the draft process. Yeah, and the comparison to Carson Wentz, it's like aside from the fact that he went to a small school and Carson Wentz went to a small school, there was no comparison. Oh, God, no. That was that, Those were people just, you know, trying to search for something uh, to warrant a, you know, a, a high first-round pick. A, you know, but that's the thing. When you're an organization like Buffalo who doesn't want to invest long-term in a quarterback like Tyrod Taylor and you're constantly picking guys in the fourth, fifth, and sixth rounds who, you know, the jury, the likelihood of them becoming anything is not high. You're gonna have to take shots in the dark like that, and, and of course, you know, overreaction. If we're gonna if we're gonna applaud Mayfield, we don't we gotta pump the brakes a little on Allen. But yeah, I mean, every every scouting report that that Kuiper and some of the other guys were talking about basically rang true in that game. Yep, and then you got um, the other quarterback. I guess we're just gonna talk about all of them. Was Rosen? Um, I mean, he didn't look terrible, but he also I don't think he's this isn't going to be his year. I think in the grand scheme, he's going to be good, but I don't think, I don't think, I think he's going to look like a, a rookie this year. Yeah. And it could be the case. And I think that's why they have, Bradford I could see like a there. Jared Goff type thing where it's like first year he looks terrible and then he gets a, a better head coach around him and a better offensive coordinator. And, and he looks a lot more competent in year two. Yeah. I, I think he, he played in a pretty pro style offense at UCLA. So I think he's, I don't think the, uh, the feeling of an of a NFL offense is going to scare him. I think it's really just whether he has the tools or not. Uh, and, and whether he's, he's really mentally prepared, but I think that's why they get Bradford and say what you want about Bradford's injury that those speak for themselves, but he is a guy that you have in there. So you don't have to rush Rosen. Yeah. No, Rosen's absolutely. not going to start. I, I would. Yeah. I, I don't believe um, he's going to well, start. Well, Darnold will be hurt. I mean, not Darnold. Um, uh, Bradford will be hurt. Bradford no, but that's what we're saying. Too. But yeah, he'll be hurt week two, probably. You think uh, that long, huh? I mean, yeah, you're right. He he is stealing money from people. <laughs> it is incredible how many contracts he's gotten. So uh, moving on, week two. What what are you feeling? Well, I'm looking forward to seeing a little bit more out of uh, out of Davis Webb until they get a backup quarterback. You know, the hypothetical of Teddy Bridgewater isn't there. So 
I'm not sure what the option is, but you're going to have to see something. This is his second year in the league. The reason they didn't draft a quarterback is because the parent, the, everything they saw from him, they liked. So they're, they're out in Detroit. Go play well after Eli plays a couple series. I, I don't expect Odell to step on the field unless he has a new contract, which still hasn't happened yet. Barkley's got a tweaked hamstring. They've been holding him out of practice. I don't know if he's going to play in the game. I Probably don't, I don't think not. He's um, I, it they sounds like something minor. I, I if hope I were that's you, what I case. would want to see is a little bit more confidence on the defensive side. Well, so of the I was just going to get into it. I want to see the secondary play a little bit better. I want to see. I want to see the secondary actually lock down. Uh, and I want to see some pass rush. The pass rush was non-existent, and and against a mobile quarterback like Tyrod Taylor, sometimes it's hard. But but Stafford's pretty mobile too. And and you know the I think the biggest thing about the last two preseasons is. The Giants looked pretty god-awful in both of the last preseasons. And you always say, oh, the preseason doesn't mean anything. And even in 16 when they won 11 games, I could tell you straight off the bat that that offense sucked. So you'd like to see a little bit more explosiveness from the offense and the guys who are playing, Shepard and Ingram, put together a couple of nice I mean, honestly, this year, especially if Odell comes back healthy, there is no excuses for Eli Manning. Go. None. I mean, he's got one of the most talented offenses in the league by far. They yeah, showed the up the offensive line, like you said. Shaquan yeah. Barkley, by all accounts, maybe you know a top five running back in football this year by what everybody says, barring injury, of course. And then, I mean, your wide receiver tight ends are looking really good. Evan Ingram is, I call, he's a wide receiver. Let's oh, face yeah, the facts. Yep. But, I mean, him at tight end, and then you got Sterling Shepard, Odell Beckham. I mean, that's that's one of the best wide receiving cores in the league. Yeah, this, so that's basically what I'm looking for. How about yourself? You want to see more of Darnold, I'm assuming. Yeah, I mean, the second preseason game, I think Darnold's going to play a lot. I, I said this earlier. I'd like to see Teddy Bridgewater go out for one or two series and really pl- play well. I don't care if McCowan even puts a puts a jersey on. You know what you're going to get from him. You know, he's going to manage a game. That's pretty much it. And then just keep seeing Darnold light it up. And I've really been watching Crowell a lot this year just because he had a down year last year in Cleveland. But, I mean, when <laughs> You go zero and sixteen. Who really had a good year last yeah. year in Cleveland? Yeah. It's not. It's not his fault that they were down. You know, twenty points. Everybody the, has a down year in Cleveland. Exactly. So I mean, I'd like to see Crowell catch a few more balls out of the backfield and just the defense continue to play well. But obviously, the most important thing is, uh, you know, Sam Darnold. Yeah, absolutely. Are there any other storylines from around the league you're looking forward to seeing week two? I'd like to see what Baker does in his second performance. Well, week one, you know, you saw Kirk Cousins light it up. You know, he ha- that's kind of expected. Um, he's got another. He's got a really good team out there. I don't think he's a Super Bowl quarterback, but I didn't think Nick Foles was a Super Bowl quarterback either. He's got a really good team around him. They went out and got Sheldon Richardson to make an, a, a great defensive line even better in Minnesota. And then the other thing that I was really I was I was disappointed about it. Um, you know, more from a fantasy football point of view, but Darius Geis went out in Washington. Um, that's Add a it tough to the one. list out there in Washington. Yeah, man. that that is a tough one because he was going to be a really really good player out there. I mean, last year, you know, the combination of P. Ryan and Robert Kelly was a top ten running back in the NFL. And if you put a much more talented guy in Geis in there, I could only imagine. In a you know. Um, that that's not a bad offense. Gruden out there does not. Ha- he's not a bad offensive coach. That's not his issue. No, his quarterbacks not. and his offenses always perform Listen, well. Bad organizations get bad things happen to them, whether they're fluky or not. And, and I I like guys too. I, he was a guy that intrigued me. 
you know, hoping the Giants were going to take a quarterback or, or at worst, a top offensive lineman, he'd be available in the second round to yeah. go grab. Um, that would have been a perfect tough world injury. Thing yeah, for the t- Giants. tough injury for him. Uh, feel bad for the kid. Um, all accounts were that he he was really excited to play and he was and he was going to contribute nicely. Uh, by the Washington's, way, side note, he is supposedly not a very good person, but we're just talking about the players here. Yeah, of course. Um, yeah. Washington is Washington, man. They they they, they, they deserve everything bad that comes to them because they're a poorly run organization. Yeah, and they do not have a great owner by what everyone says. But yeah, next week, um, I, I'm pretty much just looking forward to watching the young quarterbacks play more. Um, another guy I noticed I was playing really well um, is Geno Smith out in San Diego. He, he had a couple really good series. LA now. Oh, sorry, Excuse L.A. Don't forget Excuse the L.A. Me. Chargers. Yeah, no, uh, the, the Chargers are – I think the Chargers are going to be a really good team this year out west. Um, I think that they, they have were, a they, really good defense. They fell just short last year after starting 0-4. They, yeah. they went on quite the run. Yeah, I mean, between uh, – Joey Bosa is right up there with anybody, you know, as an outside linebacker defensive end type guy, and then you got Ingram on the inside. He's one of the best linebackers in football. They did lose their one of their top corners who gets hurt seemingly every single year, but offensively this year, I mean – you know they i i this is just from watching because i watched their preseason game last night i mean they they took a they took a wide receiver in the top 10 picks last year in mike williams and he barely even played i think he's going to have a huge year this year not to mention keenan allen and of course melvin gordon is, is a top 10 running back in football and philip rivers is just old reliable out there he's gonna throw for like three three plus thousand yards whatever he's gonna throw 25 to 30 touchdowns every single year it's a tough loss in Hunter Henry, but you know maybe Antonio Gates will come back and <laughs> catch a couple touchdowns. And Why not, man? If he yeah. can still do it, he can still do it. Absolutely. I, I, I was just really impressed by the Chargers last night. I, I'm excited to watch them play as well. I think that's going to be a decent division out there. Yeah, there's a good chance. Uh, I'm, I, there's a couple storylines that I'm looking forward to, to seeing. I, I was very... I want to see what Denver ends up doing with their quarterback situation, um, particularly their backups, because yeah. it looks like Paxton Lynch is. I mean, they're starting like a GoFundMe out there to cut him, and that looks like another really bad quarter for for as as great as Elway is at getting veteran quarterbacks. You know, Case Keenum's going to play well out there, I'm sure. Um, You're giving him a lot of credit for going out and getting Peyton Manning. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but <laughs> that's giving him a lot of credit. But, no, but he, but he, he doesn't develop quarterbacks. Oh no, he can't. He, I mean, Osweiler has turned out to be nothing. Uh, obviously, Tebow speaks for itself, and then, and now you've got Paxton Lynch, which a lot of people thought was, I, myself included, was a really big stretch to draft him in the first round, and I mean, he, he looks, he looks terrible. I can't really blame him for Trevor Simeon because that's a seventh round pick. So. Yeah. And he's, but he doesn't develop quarter- over his head. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't develop quarterbacks. Well, so, you know, you hope case Keenum does what he did in Minnesota last year. You hope the defense once again, continues to anchor that team and, and, and be the reason they win. And, and Keenum can add a level of competency to the quarterback position that wasn't there last year. Um, with the revolving door of Simeon and and uh, and Lynch amongst and Osweiler even too um, in his second tour there, so I'll be interested to see what they do because, like you said, that's a pretty loaded division. I think that that's there's going to be a lot of opportunity 
I want to see what Oakland does. Last year was a big disappointment for them. They're going to be better. I expect them to be better, but how much better? And and are they, you know, with the Well, the Khalil Mack thing's getting really interested uh, as well. Yeah, he strikes me as a guy that might be trade bait. And they might look to just say, you know what, we're not paying him and this has gotten too ugly now and 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 look for look for a potential look for a potential match somewhere. Take a lot to get him, but shit, man, he's a game changer. He's a game changer, and if they can get a third rounder for him or second rounder for God him, God damn it, the Patriots are going to trade for him. Would would it surprise you? No, not at all. I honestly, that's like my number one spot for him would be the Patriots. I bet you that's going to happen. But yeah, man, I think that just about wraps it up. I mean, just looking forward to the future, we're probably going to be talking a lot more about football coming up. Might even dedicate a podcast just to football. Oh, um, I think we're going to have to. Yeah, I don't I, really I have much so, of a choice. Yeah, so so we're in. We're on August fifteenth right now. Um, we're just under a month away from the start of the regular season. Oh God, I can't wait! Isn't it crazy? So second week of preseason. Next week we can. Uh, well, we're going to have Jets-Giants a week from Friday. Uh, they're playing each other, which is always fun because the third yeah. – I think that's the perfect time in the preseason for them to play each other because nobody cares about the preseason at this point. Like the the excitement of just watching football again has gone down. So at least you get – the starters are playing more regularly. There's a little bit more intensity there. They get to play each other, which is always fun. And then um, that that speaks two weeks, three weeks away from the beginning of the season. So absolutely, and man. baseball's I in full wait. force. I, I know we've talked a lot of baseball, and and it, it, but we have to. Don't it, make an excuse. This for is crazy, it, man. man. Don't make an excuse for it. I mean, we gotta talk oh, baseball. We love baseball. <laughs> exactly. I am not sorry. I'm never sorry. But fuck no. Exactly. Of course not. So yeah, um, we'll we'll definitely be coming out with a lot more good stuff. The website we're gonna try and get it up and going a little bit more. Um, thinking about making a couple changes to it. But uh, as always, give us a follow on Twitter at Sorry Sports, Instagram Sorry underscore Sports, and uh, go ahead and check out the website. There's you know if you haven't read the articles yet, which I can see how the active it is, and a lot of people haven't read the articles, sorrysports.com. Give it a look if you're bored, you know. We, we put up some good stuff there. So uh, thanks for listening. Absolutely.